listening to Revelations Radio News with Andrew Hoffman and Tim Kilkenny, a listener-supported podcast located at revelationsradionews.com. Podcasting to you from deep in the heart of the Big Friendly, where I am super happy that we pressed record. I am one of your hosts, and my name is Tim Kilkenny. And from the scenic and peaceful Piedmont, Oklahoma, I'm Andrew Hoffman. Scenic and peaceful. This man moves to the, the state of my my home, my home homeland, and he finds it to be peaceful. I'm I'm sold, man. I you know. All the, there were lots of reasons, but I'm happy to be here. That's awesome. That's awesome. And on the almost missed episode, we recorded for about four minutes before I fig- <laughs> figured it out there. Uh, you were talking about there's a Christmas parade tonight down there in uh, Piedmont or Christmas. Yeah, Christmas parade. Uh, I think last weekend we went to the Yukon light show or light which exhibits, which I, was I, I awesome. Heard and I heard from a completely neutral source, like a lady recommended, like, oh, did you go to the Chickasha one? You should go to the light show in Yukon. They got a great one, too. Yeah. No, Supposedly, was... Edmund has a five million light show or something like that, too. So. Wow. People people take their. Uh, they take Christmas seriously. Take their Christmas pretty seriously around here. Yeah. Lots of yeah. lights, lots of decorations. Now, I got to play devil's advocate for a minute. In. The Northwest, is it just lack of Christmas spirit, so to speak, or the bad weather, or just... Well, I think that's part of the issue of why there's no Christmas parades, Yeah, say. yeah, for sure, for sure. Yep, that makes sense. Yeah, you know, and what they do, like in Cascade Locks last night, you know, like the fire engines and emergency vehicles get all lights all over them, and they drive around, and... So that's kind of like the the equivalent, I guess. Sure. So you just kind of like step outside and watch them and then go back inside. Yeah. I've, I've been to two um, Christmas parades since we've been here. I went to the first one in Guthrie, which is a population about 11,000. Uh, family had a great time. It was just kind of off the cuff. We happened to be up there and, and, and went. And then I went to one just a few days ago in Blanchard. Uh, nary a, a mask in sight. Oh yeah, you no, know it. It just uh, it's a different. It's just totally different. And and I think some of that is because you know the interesting kind of backstory of the whole situation or kind of deeper look at Andrew and I's situation. We both live in kind of small town, small towns on the outside of Oklahoma City. So we're we're not living any kind of city life right now. Either of us. Right. It's it's close, but we're not we're not in there. Yeah, exactly. So and I'm just dealing with like one of the things I'm dealing with, which I've talked to you about is, uh, oh, wow. Blanchard has a population of 7000 people. Yet you would think with a population of 7000 people, that would make the parade pretty small. No. Oh, no, no, no. no. no it was 
was enormous. High participation there. ratio. There. Yeah, we stood there for 30 minutes and it was still going by. So wow. Anyway, um, but yeah, so that's one of the biggest kind of. And I, and I talked to you about this when you guys came over. It was great to have the Hoffmans over here to the Kilkenny c- compound. Com- com- it's a com- compound, man. It's oh, geez. It's compound worthy or estate. <laughs> if you prefer estate, we can call it the Kilkenny estate. <laughs> It just the it becomes a compound when the prelude is government invasion, you know. Anyway, uh, I don't know. It's it's nice though. I'm yeah. I'm impressed. I think if anything, you you undersold it. So it's a nice well, nice place on a on a river, out in a a nice peaceful area. So well, yeah, yeah. So I appreciate that, and uh, we're still kind of uh, undecided on what we're going to do so keep praying for us there's just a lot of stuff up in the air and it's not just with me it's with some members of my family and it's actually my dad's place so he's doing a few things and we just we just haven't really kind of been able to nail it down so we're still not completely settled we still have a a pod full of stuff out front uh, that we don't want to unpack until we're sure we're staying so it's just the whole temporary thing i think god really wants us to do this right now to be in this like kind of temporary spot mm-hmm. uh two people who love to plan and uh just map out their existence really tough situation for us it's like definitely our weakness but anyway what i was going to ramble about there uh, before i started rambling about that please encourage you know lots of prayer for for me and my family we just it's not like we're going through a super hard time we're we're set up and things are good we have food we're you know we're doing okay everything is 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 great we're getting you know to be around family a little more my daughter who's only one you know is not showing signs of like being afraid of people anymore whereas mm. when we were in washington that's 100% what it was you know her she just didn't see interact with other people very often and when oh, they, really uh, well, I mean, think about it, man. She's well, one, no, one year old, and because she's she was smiling at me, and oh yeah, yeah, you know, she, yeah, so. she's she's warmed up very, very well. But up there, it just you know, for the whole first year of her life, it was like this scary, like oh, I don't want to touch her unmasked, I don't want to kill her. It's just like this all this mm. weird situation. So we've already noticed an improvement in her life, and uh, that's been super cool. And just getting to know family and and, and re- reconnecting and all that stuff. So we're good. It's just like we're trying to figure out what stage, where, where we go from here. We kind of want to be up there where you guys are, but then we have this situation down here. So God just has us in an uncomfortable position of waiting. I guess we're just kind of yeah. waiting to see what he wants to show us. So anyway, but what I was going to say was one of the kind of culture shocks is not just the Washington to Oklahoma culture shock, which there is. But more of the kind of suburban slash urban big city life to like country life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're at yep. the end. We're at the end of a mile long dirt road. Like we are out there. So, you know, if you want to go anywhere, it's it's a plan. Like in going anywhere and then coming back, even if you just run out, run back, it's like an hour. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah. you know, that's where we were before. I could get to my gym in about eight minutes. <laughs> <laughs> in the morning which lends to working out more when you can do it mm-hmm. that fast so just 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 kind of getting through the uh the changes in uh but things are good we're excited to have christmas here we got a great big christmas tree and i, I you know you got in on the on the oklahoma style got a big christmas tree yourself which i was happy to hear so oh yeah we're, 
you know, so far I've fought off the guilt of not having decorated the outside of the house. It's kind of, you know, maybe next year, but, right. uh, but we got the big, got the big tree and, uh, we're, you know, we're going to the parade. We're, we're ready for Christmas. Here. Good for you. Good for you. And the outside of the house decoration is a, a thing down here where it's not as much up north, which I, you know, I remember trying to drive all over Seattle, trying to find Christmas lights to show the kids. And then I feel like here I could just like throw a dart at any neighborhood oh, yeah. and just yeah. drive in and be like, hey, check out all this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which is kind of cool. So anyway, uh, I'm sure people are interested in our uh, in our moves and how we're doing in Oklahoma, but probably not the only reason that they tuned in. So uh, probably perhaps, not. They probably want to hear about the tornadoes and s- see if we're still alive. I know. So I was actually <laughs> about to get into that. I just thought to myself, you know, people are worried about us, you know, getting hit by tornadoes. Oklahoma, one of the tornado capitals of the country. But no, no, no. We got uh, tornadoes of a different kind. It was uh, just after last week's show. I was posting the show to the Internet. And oh, good, good. Uh, I'm kind of getting back in the swing of things. So I want a good reminder. Last week's show. uh any any guesses on how long the MP3 I posted to the uh, website was? Andrew? Six minutes. Oh, you already know this. <laughs> I saw the no agenda social post there. Somebody yeah. came. Say hey, it's only six minutes. So I guess for a while there, I only had it on there for six minutes. So if you listen to a six minute show, there's actually more. Yes, exactly. So um, I reposted it. So anybody who who's uh, Podcatcher was just downloading automatically. It probably downloaded that. You just needed to re-download after I updated it. So anyway, uh, but after last week's show, I was posting it up to the, and it's like, hey, Amazon warehouse trending, uh, 10, 10 people missing. And I'm like, what's going on? Amazon's got some sort of scandal. And lo and behold, tornadoes ripped through Kentucky in part mm-hmm. of Illinois and Missouri. Is that right? Yeah, there was, I think, a total of six states that were at least touched by a tornado So at night in December. So, Which, as someone who grow, grew up here in tornado country, all those things extremely bizarre. Yeah. Yeah, someone who grew up around tornadoes, tornadoes don't happen at night. And then they rarely happen in the upper Midwest. But here we had a situation where both happened. Which makes me lean towards that old conspiracy theory we've been touching on this last year, which is yeah. weather modification. Weather modification. So I've, I've got a story from CNN. Okay. Record December heat leading to unprecedented extreme weather threat. Now, the first tornado watch of the day has been issued, and this is from the 15th, so a couple days ago. And this is after the tornadoes hit during the nighttime. This was, I think, for the next next day. Uh, the first tornado watch of the day has been issued for parts of the Midwest as record December heat surges and fuels severe weather across the central U.S. on Wednesday, creating hurricane-force winds, potentially strong overnight tornadoes, and an extreme fire threat. Another historical weather day is forecast today with two never-before-seen outlooks issued, the National Weather Service tweeted. A moderate severe storm risk is in the Iowa, Minnesota, and Wisconsin region, while the severe fire risk is over the southern and central plains. This is the first time such risks in these locations have ever been issued in December. 
the system, which has been responsible for several feet of snow and 100 miles per hour wind gusts in the west, now has its sights set on the plains and upper Midwest. So, so you, you kind of get the get the energy there. Um, let's see. Do they actually say climate change? No, it's just like. Oh, keep on. Okay. Yeah, I mean, they they just focus on it. very unusual, very strange, wink, wink. You know it's because of climate change. Um, I don't know. It, it, it feels very manipulated. I mean, it was kind of strange to show up in December and have it be 70-plus degrees <laughs> multiple days. You know, and this was – it was over 60 driving through Denver. So it's yeah, been a – we drove through and it was yeah and it was once definitely we got, warm but once we got here it was in it's been in the 60s almost every day which is like i said i've lived here before this is not normal <laughs> this is not normal they were in freezing temperatures by this time last year so um very strange which could lead to uh well and you know there's legislation being pushed through with like green new deal elements you know conveniently timed like I and I also wanted to touch base. I always, I always thought weather modification and specifically felt strange to talk about, like too conspiratorial. Although mm-hmm. even my my wife recently just said to me, she's like, "Yeah, this that's not normal." <laughs> you know, tornadoes in Kentucky overnight it's not normal. The, the overnight part's kind of the most concerning part. So mm-hmm. I'm glad that that happened just uh, mere because weeks what, after, after you guys moved into tornado country. So that, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, what they what they tell you is like, hey, you know, we know your in-laws and your parents are going to be worried about tornadoes, but they they happen in the afternoon. You know, they'll you'll hear about them coming. You'll have 20 or 30 minutes warning. And it's usually in the springtime, so you don't have to worry about them now. You don't have to worry about it <laughs> or a tornado hitting your house while you're sleeping. You know, that doesn't happen. And and now kind of all those things happened uh, in Kentucky, which isn't even a big – you don't think of tornadoes in Kentucky. So No. Um, but anyway, I wanted to kind of back this up with uh, just a quick article from News Punch. Um we're mainstream fears to tread, uh, but I think I've looked at this site a couple of times, but I just wanted to. Oh, yeah, they've been around a while. Yeah. U.S. modified the weather during the Vietnam War. And this is kind of declassified, admitted to. Mm-hmm. So when we start talking about wedding, mo- wedding modification, it may be if you got enough money, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's stories yeah. of people paying up to 200 grand to, to guarantee that uh, there will be no rain on their on their wedding. So anyway, yeah. yep. uh, during the Vietnam War, the U.S. military conducted geoengineering weather modification as a strategy to muddy the supply roads for the Ho, Minh, Ho Chi Minh Trail by causing it to rain with cloud seeding. The chemical weather modification program was conducted from Thailand over Cambodia, Laos, and Vietnam and was allegedly sponsored by then-Secretary of State Henry Kissinger and the CIA. Operation Popeye, as it was known, was a highly classified weather modification program in Southeast Asia during 1967 through 1972. The operation seeded clouds with both silver iodide and lead iodide, resulting in targeted areas seeing an expansion of the monsoon period, an average of 30 to 45 days. As the continuous rainfall slowed the truck traffic, it was considerably 
It was considered relatively successful. However, resultant rain and subsequent flooding of the nearby Song Kong River is sometimes blamed for the move of POWs from the prison camp Song Tay and therefore the failure of the Operation Ivory Coast. The former U.S. Secretary of Defense Robert McNamara was aware there might be objections raised by the international science community, but said in a memo to the president that such objection, objections had not been in the had not in the past been basis for prevention of military activities considered to be in the interests of U.S. national security. Hmm. The chemical weather modification was conducted from Thailand over Cambodia, approved by Secretary of State Henry Kissinger and CIA without authorization of then-Secretary of Defense Melvin Laird, who categorically denied to Congress that a program for weather modification um, for use as a tactical weapon even existed. So, anyway... Uh, just a just kind of a good side note, like, hey, this is not just crazy. And how long is you know that's that's over forty years ago, yeah, almost and, and almost fifty years ago. So now and we stopped doing it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we stopped after World War, after uh, Vietnam. We we stopped doing it, so yeah. don't have to worry about <laughs> it anymore. Yeah, that's basically they can. You can make it rain or keep it from raining, and that mm-hmm. technology has been around for 50 years, minimum. Right. Actually, yeah. more than that. Yeah. Exactly. And now you just got to wonder what so every, with harp. <laughs> yeah. So every time there is and they Chem and harps plus they uh, plus they move that same harp technology and made it mobile. You know, they've got ships with all that same gear on it. So. They can move those around anywhere um, and do the same stuff. So, but yeah, that's every drought, you know, severe drought or huge flooding event could be prevented if they wanted to prevent it, but they seem to want to make it worse, if anything. Yeah, depending on where it is. Absolutely. So, Andrew, if this is true, how say you? What's the what's the point of? They are they going to try to wipe us out with tornadoes? Like Probably just not. take out the entire Midwest? Is, I, I hope not. Uh, tornadoes is one thing where I kind of wondered if they could manipulate that, um, but I guess you could, you know, make I it think, warmer, or yeah, colder I think you to could, a certain extent, and you could and heat up the conditions for it. Yeah, but. I think that would be it. You would heat up the atmosphere in certain spots and then let the kind of collision of the cold in, in warm air over the jet stream happen on its own. Yeah. So. Hmm. 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 Yeah. Well, what's the, what's the point? Destabilization? Yeah. I mean, they're, they're still selling the global warming narrative. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's that's struggling despite them just declaring the argument. It's settled science. You know, there right. there are no two sides to this. Global warming is it's proven. You know, climate change is real. You have yeah. to pay us taxes, and we'll fix it. And we'll give you, you know, it's an extension of the COVID agenda, and we've talked about that for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it doesn't matter how many people don't believe it if they still are making policy based on something. Um, and they've got at least a little buy-in. It just keeps marching forward. So there's, you know, there's more and more of a 
I guess, bifurcation of people who are all in on it. You know, they are all in on boosters and everything else. You know, give me a vaccine once a month if you have to. And uh, climate change is gonna is the, gonna less, kill us all. And then there's and people that are just done with it. Less and less of those monthly booster people, though. I feel like the the boosters have kind of shown the. I hope <laughs> they've yeah. kind of shown the a little bit of the, lifted the veil a bit for some people. Yeah, yeah, maybe, I, maybe I think so. Thinking. Yeah, Steve Kirsch made that point of like the vaccine is doing our, you know, we're all being censored, but the vaccines are doing some waking up on their own. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, that's once you have a bad vaccine reaction, you might take a second look at it. Although it is kind of startling, you know, the vaccines can kill off someone in your family and there's still people saying, Oh, it would have been so much worse if they hadn't been vaccinated or, all right. You know, I'm sure it was some something else, not the vaccines. Yeah, that is. That is frustrating when when that sort of thing happens. Um, uh, yeah. I, you know, what's the temperature like in the rest of the country as far as this stuff is concerned? I don't know. Uh, I, You know, I on the uh, I was watching some some TV and this kind of thing flashed up but Portland in a close game. So, so I turn on Portland Trailblazers versus, gosh, I don't even know who it was. Uh, and it was, I don't have TNT, so it was like a TNT 10-minute free preview. Uh, so I had to kind of watch a little bit. It's literally the first minutes of a, of a Trailblazers game I've watched the whole year. Like, in, I don't think I watched any last year at all. But it was striking to see everybody masked up in the crowd, like every mm-hmm. single it's it's weird too. Like I didn't notice how unhappy it makes everyone look. <laughs> it just looks everything just it just looks almost dystopian. Everybody's got half of their face covered, and you know, meanwhile they're they're out to have fun, enjoy a cool game, you know, and enjoy some sports. And on the other hand, it's just uh, and yeah, and these are the people that aren't too scared to go out. Yeah. And they they've showed their vaccination cards to get in. And is that is that it? You got to show a vaccine card or or negative test to get into the Trailblazers. I don't even know if you can negative test it. Uh, yeah. I'm I'm not sure. I didn't even, you know, I was so done with it. I didn't even pay attention. But I think there was some sort of. I know they were checking proof of vaccine at Oregon Ducks games to get into college football games. So. Wow. Wow. Yeah. But. Uh, I threw it in the the folder. It doesn't play well. I don't uh, have on a the podcast, but I don't have a folder from you, by the way, which could be an issue. I did send it, uh, but it's Unmask Oregon, a masquerade shopping event, and it's people that went through different stores, and most of the stores were very welcoming and let them shop, and you know basically thanked them. Uh, but there were a few that were, went full mask Nazi. You can't, you can't be in here. We're going to have you arrested type deal. So very, it was an interesting video. It's worth checking out. All right. So besides the, uh, besides the unmask Oregon video, which is worth checking out, there's also, uh, a video from Oregon's, uh, congressional 
the actually Senate, Oregon's state Senate chambers. And a gentleman from Roseburg, which Roseburg is kind of towards the coast and fairly far south. In other words, part of the 90% of Oregon that's not Eugene and Portland. (laughs) And he's uh, Dallas Hurd, I think is his name. And he is uh, the head of the Republican Party of Oregon. And he wouldn't put on a mask. And he was very... Um, and and so the person you could tell the person leading the Senate proceedings like knew him and genuinely didn't want to have a big confrontation with them. Uh, yeah, go ahead and play the play like the first 30 seconds. So this is not him talking. This is the person talking to him. Uh, the question now writes, anybody else want to discuss Sonny Dye? All right. All right, just a minute. All right. Yeah, I know what's going on. All right. You know you don't have a mask on. You're supposed to have a mask on. So why don't you get up and tell us what you want, and then I'm going to ask you to leave the floor, please, sir. Since you demanded it, Mr. President. Uh, no, I'm not the man. I'm just making, doing the best I can up here in my old, old way. Simply put, I'm just exercising the rights of the free people of Oregon. So you're not going to take your mask off? Put it back on for the moment so we can at least sign die. Pardon me, sir? Could you put your mask on just for the signy die? I do not have a mask. Could you please leave the floor, please? No, thank you. Well, you're <laughs> challenging me because we can go through a whole ritual to expel you. But I've had individuals who work very, very hard, come a long, long way, and I don't want to hold them here any longer. But I must tell you, this is something that makes me sad. Um, You can stop it. It it drags on for about five minutes and they eventually walk him out, but eh, good for him. Yeah, fair enough. So there's, you know, there's maybe there's a little hope for Oregon. I don't, you know, maybe. (laughs) Is this thing going to end, man? No, it's not going to end. No, I mean, well... It ends with either Fauci and company in prison or us in the gulags. That's those are the two places where it ends. So we there there's no at this point there's no like okay, you know, we were trying to help you out, but it just we made some mistakes and it's over and you can go back to normal. There's that that path is is gone. So well, so I've been thinking a lot about this. If it seems to be falling apart on a lot of fronts, if there's if like to get in the mind of a, a would be so-called elite uh, or a uh, even just a demon mm-hmm. <laughs> who I think are communicating directly with some of these so-called elites, um, you, know, you know, satanic ritual abuse, uh, uh, traumatic experiences to mold people you know to get them you know mass formation all this stuff Mm -hmm. you start to look at this and the thing would be to give people hope right i think let them let them end it and then hit them with another virus that's 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 kind of what i feel 
Well, we kind of had that a little bit in the summer. Where it yeah, was for sure. Like all for sure. all yep. of a yep. sudden, out of yep. nowhere, for no real reason, it's like we're yep. mas- masks are off. Yep. Even Oregon had no mask yep. mandate whatsoever. Seattle and, as well. May you know, through August. It was very strange, but in Oregon, it lasted about two weeks, the two weeks of freedom. And for one of those weeks, I was out of the state. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I don't know. It's Yeah, I, I see the point there, but I think they also are coming to realize that the people who are done with it are really done with it. Like, we're not we're not going to get fooled because there's a new virus. Right. Yeah. So I don't necessarily think that that doing that would restore credibility for them at all. So they just have to keep pushing forward. Now I don't have any stories in particular about it, but we talked about the, um, the cyber pandemic, right? Klaus yes, Schwab predicting yeah. the cyber pandemic. Sure, sure. We talked about the fa- the Facebook deal where it's like, man, how do you delete those DNS routes accidentally? Right, right. Makes no yep, sense. Yep, yep, yep. And there was an Amazon Web Services outage. Yep, yep, yep. Like that's the, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm, the whole mm-hmm, business mm-hmm. model of Amazon Web Web Services is now you don't have to worry about your server going down because you're on this giant platform of thousands of servers and there's no way all of them are going to go down and you're going to ever, ever be down. And a bunch of companies <laughs> lost serious business because of that outage. And there's just, you know, there's, I don't know, weird stuff going on. And the technology thing, um, was it no agenda that talked about the, uh, Israeli government doing a yes. I think Adam Curry talked about the Israel leading ten nations in a a drill, and this was not the the uh, Omega variant drill. That was another recent one. This was the what happens if the whole financial system you know falls under ransomware attack or whatever gets locked up or shut down or what have you. So this is and this. You know, coming from the same people that were pushing the pandemic stuff before there was a pandemic, uh, something's going on. I don't know, you know, okay, what do we do about it? Do you put money under your mattress? Do you buy Bitcoin? I don't know what, you know, I don't know what the solution is, but. Yeah, uh, this I'll just grab this story from Yahoo News. Uh, federal agencies ordered to immediately patch systems against the Apache vulnerability. Federal agencies on Friday were ordered to immediately investigate and patch systems to prevent exploitation of a massive vulnerability in the Apache logging library that has been in- increasingly used by nations and cyber criminals to target organizations around the world. The Cybersecurity Infrastructure uh, Agency, member CISA, issued an emergency directive giving agencies until December 23rd to identify which software is impacted by Log4J and then either deploy patches against these vulnerabilities or remove the impacted software from the network. The agencies must report all impacted software actions taken by CISA by December 28th. Following these actions, CISA will provide a report in February to the Secretary of Homeland Security and the Office of the Management and Budget, and will keep partners to help remediate the vulnerability. Interesting. 
So do you know what that log for J like what is that what are the, what's that allowing to happen? If that vulnerability is in your system, does that give someone access to it or what what's the what's the problem, I guess you could say? Take a look here. I think it's a vulnerability that's in the code. Nightmare for Christmas, what to know about I don't. I don't. I'd have to look more into it. I'm not going to try and kind of trying to stumble my way through this. Yeah, just, you know, big picture view, something is going on. And I would like to hear I'd like to hear from people. I know that, you know, most of our listeners know more than we do about most things. So <laughs> if you're an expert in this sort of deal, let us know and let us know what you think is going on. Sure. And if I got a chance to. Apache is used on a lot of the Linux servers, which is a majority of servers. AWS outage <laughs> response to AWS going down. Shouldn't be multi-cloud carts before horses. Anyway. Yeah. I'd have to look into it a little bit more to kind of exactly explain it, but yeah, uh, I hate ending it with, I think my biggest pet peeve about, uh, the no agenda show is Adam Curry will bring something. He will talk about it. He will lay it out. <laughs> he will say all of this stuff and everybody, you think I'm going to say that then, uh, John, John will say, I'm not buying it. And you think I'm <laughs> going to say that, but that's not my biggest pet peeve. His, I'm not buying it is usually just kind of hilarious. Uh, no, the more dismissive and conversation ending something's up. Something is up. And I just, I, I don't know. He just, this something's up. And so I hate to end it on that, but definitely something is up as far as the cyber pandemic yeah. going on yeah. here. It's, <laughs> it, it's kind of frustrating. It's a little bit similar to, you know, if you were paying attention in the early days to James Corbett and others, you knew what was going on with the pandemic. You knew that it was going to lead to vaccine passports and multiple rounds of vaccination and, and all the medical control grid stuff. But then what do you do other than try not to participate other than trying to, you know, build out a, a parallel economy other than moving to Oklahoma. I don't know what you do. <laughs> it can't be the solution for everyone. No, no I, I do think people are, Maybe they're just they're better at hiding it, but I, I don't get the like there's too many people here already. How dare you move here vibe, which is kind of the vibe I got in Idaho a little bit. Well, but I mean, yes, there's there's plenty. I mean, you could fit the whole population of the world in Texas if you did it correctly. Right. So there's definitely, you know, I there's think plenty it's, of space. Come, it's plenty of space everywhere. It comes down to traffic and things like that. I, I am sympathetic to. Uh, Idaho. I mean, the their their housing price has driven up fifty percent in one years. That's mm -hmm. like go from like, hey, I'm <laughs> about to be able to buy a house to like, I'll never buy a house ever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it's the people who are you, you don't get the good end of it if you're already there. So you, 
And if you're young and you're already there, you get the bad end of it. So sure. Well, I mean, here, let's. This is kind of interesting. Uh, here's a story in a nutshell from the first two paragraphs of an article about media mogul after uh, Epstein's arrest in 2017. And I can tie this back in. I know you're like, how is this even related to what we're talking about, Tim? Oh, uh, no, the prom- the promise software stuff. That's Yes. Man, that's – is that even before our show? We probably talked about it a little bit. Uh, we I think we've talked about it several times in relation to uh, um, it being your favorite. Oh, uh, James Corbett episode. Corbett. Yes, it's your favorite James Corbett episode. So the, the P Tech and all that stuff for exactly nine eleven. Yeah, exactly. So um, let me take a look here. Let's see if we can do this real quick. Friends of Epstein, servants of Satan. Friends of Epstein, servants of Satan. <laughs> Sir Robert Maxwell is mostly remembered as the Czech-born British media mogul. Oh, goodness. You know, I'm, I'm very proud of... <laughs> Sir Robert Maxwell is mostly remembered as the Czech-born British media mogul who owned the Daily Mirror and was the member of Parliament. Less remembered is that he was an alleged spy for both the UK and Israel and was accused of ties to the Mossad abduction of Mordecai Venuno, uh, accusations which he denied shortly after before his parents' suicide, or shortly before his parents' suicide. All but forgotten, however, are his alleged ties to the Promise Affair. Thanks in no small part to the FBI withdrawing his file from public view. The withheld materials describe Maxwell accessing an NSA database with information on tape on tapping government databases, which is precisely what U.S. and Israeli intelligence are accused of modifying promised software to do. According to FBI documents first obtained by uh, William Hamilton of Inslaw Incorporated, the original creator of Promise Software, which was stolen by the Justice Department, the FBI was contacted by employees of Saudi National Laboratories regarding the Robert Maxwell and his company's access to the government databases based on information from the National Security Agency. As a result, the FBI opened a counter-surveillance investigation to the matter. According to the court documents in, an, in a Freedom of Information Act appeal by uh, William Hamilton and Inslaw, portions of these documents were suddenly reclassified by the FBI in response to Inslaw's Freedom of Information Act request. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's it's a fascinating rabbit hole. It is. And it's and been it, around. It's been around. There was stuff being written about that in the early 2000s. Yes. I mean, this is a rabbit hole of epic proportions with no end. You go into Promise Software, you get into uh, Danny Ca- the Requiem for the Suicide of Danny Casolaro. You start looking into backends of different uh, computers around the world. Then you start thinking about really, I mean, you'd think, oh, we've moved further away from that. It's harder for them to do that, except that now more and more power is consolidated to just a handful of companies that you know, making all the devices or at least running the software of, of so many mm-hmm. different devices. It just, uh, it's a, a black hole of epic proportions. And of course, uh, Maxwell's tied to it. And, you know, good that, you know, there's no, nothing, nothing going on with the uh, Ghislaine Maxwell or, or Epstein or any kind of <laughs> trial or anything right now. That's just totally normal stuff. Right. Yeah, I would. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm sure that James Comey's daughter is going to get justice for us from Ghislaine Maxwell. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So with 
with her as the prosecutor. Uh, I heard recently Last American Vagabond, uh, Ryan Christian interviewed uh, Whitney Webb. Okay. And they talked to, they talked some about it. And then she's written extensively about Maxwell and what have you. So and her take, I don't want to spoil that. People should go listen to it. But is that uh, Maxwell, Ghislaine Maxwell is much higher level than Epstein. So it's yeah. not like she was his sidekick. It's like he was her. Yes. Know, she was his handler, basically. Yes. And I think uh, that is becoming more and more evident. Yeah. She and, was the boss, not him. And, you know, she's like, where's the where's the mugshot from when she was arrested? Kind of weird. There's no mugshot. You know, and the person in court like kind of looks like her, but you're only seeing sketches. You're not seeing, you know, there's no definitive proof that she has actually been arrested and then it's her there in the courtroom on trial. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. So, and if, and uh, accused of being a spy, Robert Maxwell was given a state funeral by Israel. So I don't, I don't think <laughs> <laughs> this is not like, uh, like, like, of course he denied it. I mean, when, when do spies ever say like, yep, I'm a spy, <laughs> but this is not like a controversial claim. Right. And I actually have, uh, I have, a, I have a short story here from Reuters, but uh, this just popped up today. It just kind of shows you the state of the trial right now. Ghislaine Maxwell uh, listens as attorney Bobby. Oh, this is, a, of course, a caption to this week's uh, charcoal sketching. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. I'm, I, I have. Uh, wow. This is one of those. Uh, I saved it. As one story, and now it's a different story. Oh, Same. they change, changed yeah. it. Yeah. Changed the mm. list. Yeah. My, my article title is Ghislaine Maxwell's uh, Lawyers Grill FBI Agents on Accusers' Account of Sexual Abuse. Uh, listens as attorney Bob Sternum questions psychology, uh, psychologist Elizabeth Loftus during the Maxwell trial, the Epstein, Jeffrey Epstein associate accrued, or excuse me, accused of sex trafficking in a courtroom sketch, blah, blah, blah. Here's what I thought was interesting. Maxwell has pleaded not guilty to eight counts of sex trafficking, so only eight. And then, oh goodness, is this article not even going to have no, anything? The, the, the fix is so completely in on this trial. So I, I mentioned James Comey's daughter's the prosecutor. Mm-hmm. The uh, judge once um, waxed eloquent on how wonderful – um, who's the constitutional lawyer guy? Who's uh, Dershowitz? Yes. How wonderful Dershowitz was. Vorax buddy. Yeah. And Dershowitz, of course, is one of the one of the very heavily implicated uh, Epstein friends, friends of Epstein. And then the uh, defense, you know, obviously the the defense attorneys are on the side of, of Maxwell, but the, the whole thing, the whole trial is rigged to, for a limited hangout 
you know, they're, they'll cover like, Oh, she was, look at, there's a picture of her rubbing Jeffrey Epstein's feet. It's like, okay, well, (laughs) you know, what, what about all the, uh, what about the blackmail operation and who they were blackmailing and why wouldn't that be important information? No, that's, she's not on trial for that. It's a, don't expect justice out of that trial. I'll put it that way. No, and it stinks to high heaven. I think when the when Epstein was originally arrested, they didn't have a warrant for all of the. They talked about a a, a, a drawer full of DVDs and VHS tapes, but they didn't have a warrant for those things, so they couldn't uh, confiscate them. Mm. And then they were, you know, they came back for him with a warrant. And of course, they were gone. There was, of course, the fire on the island. I think shortly after Epstein's arrest. Um, the, all that stinks. And then you add into it the thing that kind of just still blows my mind, which I think in, until I can be con, convinced otherwise, I think she is Maxwell Hill, the number one, one of the number one uh, steerers of discussion on Reddit. Like, right. And literally was like <laughs> one of the top 50 most influential people on the Internet through several articles a couple of years back. Mm-hmm. Uh, all posts from Maxwell Hill completely disappear the moment she's arrested. So this whole, I mean, it's just, it's weird to think <laughs> that it's just as simple as just a few select families and, 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 and intelligence assets at the top being controlled by maybe demonic entities or entertaining demonic entities that can kind of branch out like a spider web and, 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 and make a, prison prison planet uh so to speak but it does seem (laughs) to be the kind of the occam's razor of the whole situation i i I don't know i'm just just kind of rambling but big picture stuff you can point almost anything back to this group of people yeah i mean if you the percentage of uh pedophiles is a lot higher in positions of power than in the general population and I can't believe neither of us have this story in the folder, but it just came out earlier this the CNN month. Guy? The CIA, yeah, well, no, not the CNN guy. That's a new one. That's this week. Earlier this okay. month, the CIA. The CIA has the the uh, uh, pedophile problem. You heard about this? And this is after the Pentagon admitted to massive uh, child porn being swapped you're, around on its servers, and you're yeah, talking about that. About that. Years ago, ten but, years ago, yeah, yeah, that yeah. was a long time ago, but that definitely happened. But yeah, the CIA cover, covered up an internal pedophile scandal. Central agency has, has secretly amassed credible evidence that at least ten of its employees and contractors committed sexual assault or sexual crimes involving children. Uh, the most cases were referred to the U.S. attorneys for prosecution. Only one of the individuals was ever even charged with a crime. Prosecutors sent the rest of the cases back to the CIA to handle internally. Hmm. Internally. I mean, they face few consequences beyond possible loss of their jobs and security clearances. That marks a striking deviation from how sex crimes involving children have been handled at federal agencies such as the Department of Homeland Security and Drug Enforcement Agency. CIA insiders say the agency resists prosecution of its own staff for fear the cases will reveal state secrets. Oh, yeah. The old state secrets. One employee had sexual contact with a two-year-old and a six-year-old. He was fired. 
A second employee purchased three sexually explicit videos of young girls filmed by their mothers. He resigned. A third employee estimated that he had viewed up to 1,400 abusive images of children while on agency assignments. The records do not say what action, if any, the CIA took against him. A contractor who arranged for sex with an undercover FBI agent posing as a child had his contract revoked. Only... Only one of the children, uh, excuse me, only one of the individuals cited in these documents was ever charged with a crime. In that case, as in the only previously known case of CIA staffer being charged with sexual uh, crimes, the employee was also under investigation for mishandling classified material. That's the real reason he got in trouble. The CIA did not answer detailed questions saying that the agency takes all the allegations of possible criminal conduct uh, very seriously. Spokesperson from the Eastern District of Virginia said many of the crimes referrals were sent, also did not answer detailed questions. And said the district takes seriously the responsibility to hold accountable federal and government employees who violate federal law within our jurisdiction. Four former officials who are familiar with the how internal investigations worked at the intelligence agencies told BuzzFeed News there are many reasons that prosecutors might not pursue a criminal case. One of them, familiar with the workings of the CIA, of the inspector general, said the agency is concerned that in a criminal case it could lose control of sensitive information. The former official who reviewed the, de- reviewed the declassifying inspector general reports characterized the concern. Anyway, uh, yeah. it just goes on and on and on. And this article is goodness gracious. This this rabbit hole goes yeah. just just unbelievable. It, it makes you want, you know, lightning bolts from heaven is kind of what. Yeah, it's well, you know, hell doesn't seem like such a unfair punishment after all two years old is two years old yes <laughs> two years old that's uh, that's anyway um look through the stories here see should we close close they, the segment they just here? want they just want marriage equality tim that's uh, all just marriage equality that was a yeah unfortunately unfortunately the the extremists we're right on that one. Yeah. So, uh, so we got Mac. Should, got should Mac. we, well, you know, t- turn things in a positive direction with an Albert Borla clip? Uh, sure. Are we done? Let's close out the Friends of Epstein, Servants of Satan. Oh, we're never, we're never done with that segment. But well, let's close it out for the day. Okay. You know, I'm, I'm very proud of what we've done in plan. Friends of Epstein, Servants of Satan. Of Epstein, servants of Satan. Well, he's dead, so in general, you always have to be careful. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's dead. Yeah. Or is he? There's another question for you. <laughs> oh, that clip always makes me laugh. <laughs> well, he's dead. <laughs> oh, Bill Gates, man. It's like we, we can't even have the. <laughs> Evil controllers be like evil geniuses. Just, <laughs> you don't think Gates is a genius? No. Yeah, come on. He has all the. Come on. He has all the uh, the uh, signs of, of severe Asperger's. Like so smart, he can't like he can't speak to other human beings. He's like nah, I don't work. I, you know, Paul Allen did all the real work. Uh, yeah. What did he get in return? The old cancer. Cancer. Yeah. Uh, So only it's the 
Pfizer CEO Borla. It's the Twitter clip. It's it's short and it's old, but um, may become even more relevant. There's no guarantee that the patient is going to take the drug <clears throat> where the device. So how are you thinking about technology to engage the patient? Again, maybe I will use an example. I think uh, it's fascinating what's happening in this field right now. I mean, FDA approved the first uh, electronic pill, if I can call it like that. So it is a basically biological chip, but it is in the tablet. And once you take the tablet and dissolves into your stomach, sends a signal that you took the tablet. So imagine the applications of that, the compliance. Uh, the insurance companies to know that the medicines that patients should take, they do take them. Uh, it is uh, fascinating what happens in, in uh, this field. Hmm. Compliance. Compliance. Yeah, make sure they took those pills. And what do you know? They're going to have the technology to make sure you took that vaccine, too. You know, eventually your vaccine card will be imprinted on your arm. So it's all the NFL players getting their fake vaccine cards. This is all intentionally left open uh, so that they can solve this problem later on. But. You got me on Twitter and I got ADD. So, you know, I'm going to be looking around, but I'm just seeing more and more, to <laughs> more and more clips. Whales closing nightclubs. 30 minutes. De uh, Denmark will be placing restrictions on their, on their uh, people. Oh, uh, Gibraltar is back under. Lockdown. Under lockdown. The most yep. vaccinated place on earth. Yes. Uh, December 2020, 15 million jabs to freedom. December 2021, 123 million jabs and more freedoms have been taken away. Uh, <laughs> it, it looks like Europe is going under more lockdowns. Yeah, it just kind of ebbs and flows and they give you a little freedom for no reason and then Oh, we got to take it back away because of Omicron. <laughs> Omicron. Because of moronic. <laughs> Naive. Yeah. Evian on water. So this, so you are aware of this. Uh, I think we mentioned it briefly on the show last week. So there's the Robert F. Kennedy Jr. book, The Real Anthony Fauci. Mm -hmm. And a mutual friend of ours and I'm not sure if I'm supposed to talk about it or not, but I won't. But anyway, I have a, I have a, an assignment. So I have to read the book and condense it down into three 40-word summaries. Wow. Not easy to do. No. So this is like a 1,100-page book, at least on the ebook version, which is the only one I've been able to get a hold of because you cannot get – the real Anthony Fauci, the actual physical book, it is very difficult to come by. If you go on Amazon, it's sometime in January we'll get it to you. Uh, everywhere. It's sold out, sold out. Local bookstores here. Oh, sorry, it's it's on back order. We could we can order it for you. <laughs> you know. Uh, but our distributor is out too. So this so people are buying this book, I believe, as an act of, you know, not just because they're it's not just because they want to read the book. They are buying the book as a statement in itself. Like, we believe Robert F. Kennedy Jr., not Anthony Fauci. Sure, sure. 
Of course, this, the uh, irony to that whole thing you just said is I got a local nut store down the street here in small town mm-hmm. Oklahoma with <laughs> several copies on their shelf uh, and some homemade cookies and uh, coffee beans roasted just down the road. <laughs> what a weird yeah, world. I, sh- I should have had you should have had you buy one for me because I. Yeah. I'm finding that I don't really like reading a book on my phone, but uh, no, sure, I'm yes, struggling through. Uh, well, I did. Can I, I did. Can I, I found one to order, and it said three to seven days with expedited shipping. I paid for the expedited shipping, and now I look on the order, and it says on back order. So, well, Mr. Andrew Hoffman, who is now running the Graphene OS on his phone, can I give you a, a suggestion? Swipe down from the top. Put it, put that thing in do not disturb or airplane mode, and then read your book. So that you and Will can't distract me with <laughs> Jim Henson, <laughs> obscure Jim Henson movie clips. Yeah, that's a good idea. Or anything, really. Just turn off the Wi-Fi, shut off everything. Just just get down to the um, – and, and, um, like, like I said, somebody who struggles with the ADD but also – you know, sometimes you got to read electronically. Sometimes you got to do it. And uh, the best way to do it, I've found, is just turn off all notification, even Internet can, you know, at all. And mm-hmm. that's that's how most of my Bible reading gets done. I got to shut everything off and then yeah. focus. So. <clears throat> so, well, the, the, this but what I wanted to say about it, there's also yep. um, Alex Berenson's book is now out, Pandemia. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and then. But I, uh, McCullough has referenced it every time he talks, basically, um, the Peter Bregan book. Okay. So that's, uh, what's what's it called? And he, he goes in-depth on the planning for this whole thing and shows kind of beyond a shadow of a doubt, you know, that this is part of a long planned event, not not an accident or a just a spontaneous response to a, a virus breaking out. So, so there, this is the part where, you know, the, the information's been out there for a long time, but it's, you know, it's being nailed down in book form. And I don't know how they're going to say like, Oh, you know, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Just a crackpot, just an anti-vax crackpot. You know, with his thousands of citations for everything in the book. I mean, it's, I don't know. The His book blew me away. I kind of thought it would be just kind of a um, sort of shallow synopsis, more focused on Fauci. But it is super in-depth. Everything, you know, I recognize a lot of the doctors he talks about in there. But there's some new stuff, too. So one one thing, um, one lady he references in there, she she went through and documented all the strategies used to discredit hydroxychloroquine. Right. So and this we remember Fauci says, oh, if it worked, that'd be great. But uh, there's no evidence that it works. So she no evidence of widespread uh, (laughs) efficacy. Yeah. So she goes through and documents 58 different strategies used to discredit hydroxychloroquine. So this is, you know, it makes it clear this was an agenda. And he goes into the reasons for that and 
how that was kind of a, a turning point. Um, you know, and to be honest, he, he, when you read this thing, it's kind of like, and Trump didn't fire him. Like, okay. it, you know, if if you still believe Trump not totally compromised, like, why didn't you fire this guy? And yeah, it's a. It, I'm super impressed with what I've read so far. So this is, I would recommend it. Uh, you know, worth the wait if you have to wait a month for it. Whatever, but uh, back in the day, I I posted on my Facebook account when I used Facebook that if people did not think 9/11 was an inside job, they could read a. a couple books that I had listed, I think, by um, G. Griffin. Griffin. No, not G. Edward Griffin. Oh, I always mess this guy D- up. David, David Ray Griffin. David Ray, yep. Yeah. And if they could read those books and still tell me with a straight face that they did not believe 9-11 was an inside job, that I would send them $100, which is the equivalent of $10,000 today. <laughs> For 10 years ago? Yes. So, and no one ever took me up on it. So same thing with this pandemic. If you've got people who aren't clued in this, that book is going to be a great resource. You cannot read that book and say, Oh yeah, it came from bats. Uh, Fauci, St. Fauci trying to save us. It kind of running pan parallel with this, uh, uh, Joe Rogan uh, podcast, the you know the biggest podcast in in the world. Um, I have mixed feelings about it because I hate that it's just on Spotify. But I'm finding I am willing to make a small deal with the devil, and as far as getting Spotify on my phone just to kind of get some of these interviews, um, you can find them all elsewhere too. They're on Rumble, BitChute, and elsewhere. But uh, you know he's having real people on, and I think his friendship with Adam Curry was. Uh, a really fortuitous thing that happened because I think he started to open up to some stuff as well as then, you know, uh, CNN telling the whole world that he's pale and takes horse to wormer, you know, those sort of things will wake you up real quick. Uh, but anyway, he's had uh, old Peter McCullough on this last week and this interview has been absolutely everywhere. YouTube is taking it down. Spotify can't take it down because of their agreement with uh, Joe Rogan. They got to be kicking themselves right now. But, you know, Peter McCullough, not even too far from us now uh, geographically, just down there in Dallas-Fort Worth, he is, uh, I think I said it, kind of synopsized it to you in a text form, and it was a total quack. He was super interested in uh, doing um, uh, uh, treatment, early treatment for COVID, uh, realized that there wasn't any, also realized that all the people who would usually, you know, share early treatments like day by day. You know, the FDA, the people would bring stuff. That was the idea was to, you know, figure out what early treatments work, what works, what doesn't work, what drugs do we have that are available. He's a doctor through and through. I think he's even vaccinated. But he comes to the wild and crazy conclusion that even if, excuse me, that because of the way that all of the early treatments have been stymied, this is a conspiracy, a worldwide conspiracy, which you know, I think you and I both can can uh, respect him for that. Not not believe in his lying eyes. I think was your was your or not believe in his own eyes. 
I think was your response. And or it, he's it, he's refusing to disbelieve his own eyes. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Here's a little clip from it. So, in your opinion, if your protocol had been established and distributed worldwide, if people had recognized that this is a way to deal with early treatment, you think that the overall number of COVID deaths would have been significantly reduced? I testified in the U.S. Senate November 19, 2020. I told Americans under oath that 50% of the lives at that time could have been saved. We were at about 250,000 deaths based on what I knew. I then testified on March 10th, 2021 in the Texas Senate sworn testimony. I upped that to 85% of the deaths could have been avoided. We know that because we carried out studies. We did one with Proctor here in, in Dallas-Fort Worth where we demonstrated that even the early primordial protocols before the monoclonal antibodies, when we use drugs in combination, were associated with 85% reductions in hospitalizations and deaths compared to fair comparator groups. In for death, we use the Tri-County Area and DFW averages age-adjusted. And for hospitalization, we use the Cleveland Clinic calculator, which is a very precise estimate of the risk of hospitalization. Then simultaneously, Derwand and Zelenko showed that from our own New York data, and then Didier Rial showed it from Marseille, France. So we have three different areas showing early multidrug therapy as an outpatient works substantially, and we've had a giant loss of life, a giant number, millions and millions of unnecessary hospitalizations. And it seemed to me, and I've told Tucker Carlson and many others, it seems to me early on, there was an, an intentional, very comprehensive suppression of early treatment in order to promote fear, suffering, isolation, hospitalization and death. And it seemed to be completely organized and intentional in order to create acceptance for and then promote mass vaccination. What a quack. (laughs) (laughs) Mass vaccination and remdesivir. Yeah, yeah. And even even just looking up his name, trying to find that clip just now, I, I type it in and we got... Uh, Joe Rogan podcast host doctor known for pushing debunk claims about COVID-19. Oh, yeah. Controversial, controversial Dr. Peter McCullough claims to Joe Rogan that lack of COVID treatments is deliberate. Uh, cream cheese shortage. That's also also came up. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> it's just, I'd say it. Uh, <laughs> the COVID shot is a form of bioterrorism. It's spike. Pro- and that's another thing he said in the uh, in the interview. He said the spike protein is pathogenic. Pathogenic. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're about five times as ri- as likely to die of the vaccine than you are to take the risks with COVID-19. McCullough said, therefore, those who chose not to vaccinate, in fact, made the smarter choice. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um Let's see if this one. I'm not. I'm not saying we've never been wrong, but I, we weren't wrong about this. No, we'll uh, we'll move on. But anyway, he goes on to talk about ivermectin and how successful it's been all across the world. Uh, mm-hmm. I didn't have a clip prepared, but <clears throat> there we go. Well, uh, on the ivermectin, and a very interesting thing happened. Um, supply issues. Now, one of the things you find out in Robert F. Kennedy's book is that the federal government said 
give us companies, give us all your ivermectin. Okay. Presumably to pass it out, right? They got like $63 million worth of ivermectin, which is a lot of ivermectin because it's pennies. Wait. And they locked it up. So they gave the companies uh, payoffs and tax breaks for donating the medication. And then they refused to distribute it because they, they threw in a couple of bogus studies about, oh, ivermectin is dangerous all of a sudden. It doesn't work, you know, dangerous. And despite that, there was still no real shortage of ivermectin. So then they had to start, you know, going after doctors for prescribing it, going after pharmacies for filling it, and, and that whole fiasco. But they always say, oh, I, you know, we should study it more. We should study it more. So now, so Merck was supposed to do a an ivermectin trial, and um, in late June, the University of Oxford announced – this article comes from Undercover DC uh, – announced that Principal, one of the UK government's national priority platform trials of COVID-19 treatments, would be evaluating ivermectin, the seventh treatment to be investigated in the Principal trial. Along with the anti-influenza antiviral drug Favipiravir, ivermectin, the safe broad-spectrum antiparasitic drug, was added as part of the trial's focus on treatment for people in the UK who have recently developed symptoms of COVID-19. Yet suddenly, without an explanation from Merck, who is a key manufacturer of the generic readily available drug ivermectin, MedPage Today reports that Principal's trial on the drug is paused, stating, The ivermectin arm of the UK's Principal trial is currently paused due to temporary supply issues. So this is, you know, they're, they've been stalling this thing for over a year at this point, well over a year. And when they did do trials sponsored by Gates and the World Health Organization, they would administer, uh, I, think, I believe it was five times, it might have even been ten times the usual dosage. And borderline what is defined as a lethal dose of ivermectin in the attempt to show more deaths in the ivermectin category than the placebo group. So it's propaganda is a crazy thing, right? You got something out there cheap that cures the disease that the whole world's come to a standstill on. And they, they will just literally a, kill you without a second thought. Yeah. The propaganda is just trying to convince people. And I think there's still most people probably believe ivermectin is dangerous and like a horse paste or something. Maybe. I'm so in Oklahoma. When, I am in ground. You are too. Ground zero for the hospitals overcrowded with the ivermectin overdoses. <laughs> and I haven't seen any evidence of this. I did go to a farm and feed store, which if you've never been to, it's a, is a great cultural experience. Oh, it's a great experience. Yeah. Uh, but I went to one. I was able to buy some candy, uh, some dog food, some Drano, <laughs> some, some ivermectin. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, but they did have ivermectin there. But it, now the ivermectin is locked. Like it's for – it's like a – Duramectin, which is ivermectin for uh, horses, uh, but it's it's in a tube, and you know you can it's apple flavored or whatever. But they have it. it's in a locked case now. It's, 
Oh, goodness gracious. High theft item, huh? Yeah. People. Well, I don't know if it's high theft, but on it, there was... Uh, so on the outside... Do you have to a show lot, a picture of you with your horse? <laughs> <laughs> there was a thing printed out that said, Ivermectin has not been shown to be useful in treating COVID-19, you know, taking uh, Ivermectin. And I was just like, oh, what is... What is going on? And, it, you know, another nod to Joe Rogan. He had Dr. Pierre Corey, who just refuses to give up on talking about ivermectin and mm-hmm. good for him. So it just uh, it continues. It's but but the, but the but the propaganda actually can tell us people that this vaccine, which is causing a lot of heart problems worldwide, is safe and effective. But this crazy horse paste drug is going to kill them. Mm-hmm. And so people would rather rather go with that. Yeah, Kennedy breaks down the deaths per dose. And per ivermectin? Yeah. Oh, and my gosh. <laughs> I, ivermectin is literally thousands of times safer than either uh, remdesivir oh, yeah. or COVID vaccines. And th- this is with, like, government numbers. No, like, you know, we, we've How talked about— How much ivermectin is lethal? I mean, how much do you have to take? Um, well, this is just like someone took ivermectin and then they died a short time after. Maybe it was related. Maybe it wasn't. Okay. So uh, it was like 359 deaths out of uh, like 10 million courses of ivermectin. Or some I don't know, some crazy number. At 10 billion, maybe, because right. um, this is, you know, goes back quite a few years compared to uh, basically one out of every thousand doses of remdesivir results in a death. So it's thousands of times more dangerous. And yet uh, Fauci pushing the remdesivir because what do you know? He he has a financial interest in remdesivir. Pushes it for everything. Pushed it for Ebola. But uh, so the ivermectin thing, Tess Lowry, did have we talked about her? Um, I don't know. I don't think so. So she does um, analysis of like she does kind of meta analysis of uh, studies. So, you know, like all these studies on whatever subject she puts them together and then establishes like, here's what they show in total, like the average evidence there. Okay. So she did that with ivermectin studies and, um, the media chose to focus on this guy, Andrew Hills, who supposedly did the same thing. Like we will look at all these ivermectin studies and, uh, the conclusion that he came to after initially saying, oh, yeah, it prevents death. Oh, we, we don't know. We don't know whether it helps or not. More study is needed. And she gets a hold of him and is like, how can you say that? Like, what, you know, what is your criteria? So she invited him to, to work with her on putting out a basically in an, an analysis of all the ivermectin studies and he he refused um she kept after it and she recorded a zoom conversation with them and this is pages 
137 to 143 in Kennedy's book, and it's the whole conversation is transcribed. Okay, so you want me to read a little bit of it? Sure. All right. So this is the article, uh, worldtribune.com's got it in there, but um, Lowry was unable to persuade Hill, who instead of joining her team as lead author, went ahead and published his manipulated findings. Four days in before publication, Hill's sponsor, Unitaid, gave the University of Liverpool, Hill's employer, $40 million. Unitaid, it turns out, was also an author of the conclusion of Hill's study. In the call, Lowry berated Hill's study as flawed, rushed, not properly put together, and bad research, which Hill appears not to have denied. Instead, when pressed, he admitted his sponsor, Unitaid, was an acknowledged, unacknowledged author of the conclusions. Unitaid has a say in the conclusions of the paper. Yeah, he told Lowry. Uh, Kennedy explained, Unitaid is a quasi-governmental advocacy organization funded by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation in several countries to lobby governments to finance the purchase of medicines from pharmaceutical multinationals for distribution in Africa. Dr. Lowry knew that to make that to make its ivermectin determination, WHO would rely on Hill's study and another study from McMaster University known as the TOGETHER trial. McMaster was hopeful, hopeful and irredeemably conflicted. NIH gave McMaster $1,081,541 in 2020 and 2021. A separate group of McMaster st- uh, University scientists was at that time engaged in developing their own COVID vaccine, an effort that would never pay dividends if WHO recommended ivermect- ivermectin as standard of care. The Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation was funding the massive TOGETHER trial, testing ivermectin, HCQ, and other potential drugs against COVID in Brazil and other locations. Critics accused Gates and the McMaster researchers of designing that study to make ivermectin fail. In other words, the McMaster researchers, just like Andrew Hill, knew that a positive appraisal of ivermectin would cost their university millions of dollars. In a terse exchange, Lowry laid out the unethical and personal risk for Hill. What she says, I really, really wish, and you've explained quite clearly to me in both what you've been saying and in your body language that you're not entirely comfortable with your conclusions, that you're in a tricky position because of whatever influence people are having on you, and you include, and including the people who have paid you and who have basically written that conclusion for you. Hill, you've got to understand I'm in a difficult position. I'm trying to steer a middle ground, and it's extremely hard. Yeah. Larry says, yeah, middle ground. The middle ground is not a middle ground. You've taken a position right on the other extreme, calling for further trials that are going to kill people. So this will come out and you will be culpable. So she she tears into him. Anyway, it's it's worth reading through the whole exchange. But um, as far as I know, that was new in Kennedy's book. I don't think that had been published or I don't think you can get the actual video of the Zoom call, just the. Um, obviously Andrew Hill probably doesn't want it out there, but and this is from the book. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So he, he admits that he changed his conclusion and that it was written by, or, you know, what it had to say was determined by Unitaid and Unitaid, of course, controlled by the Gates foundation. So it's all propaganda. I don't know how you can. There's actually a yeah. cure out there. People just have to wake up and see it. Oh yeah, yeah. This this whole thing. I mean, there's 
<laughs> there's still an open debate on what the best early treatment is, but there is universal agreement that if you treat this thing early, even if some of the stuff you don't use or if some of the stuff you use doesn't work, like some of it does apparently because everyone who gets early treatment is fine. But if you get early treatment, you don't get sick enough to go to the hospital. And if you don't go to the hospital, they can't give you remdesivir Mm -hmm. and they can't, which is big money for, for Fauci. And they can't put you on a ventilator, which is big money for the hospital. So the, you know, the whole thing was was designed to get people um, to avoid to be so scared that they didn't want to go get treatment to get uh, primary care doctors and others afraid to have their clinics open and to offer early, early treatment and then funnel everyone into the hospital system that was, you know, for the most part, totally controlled by the CDC protocol. And, th- and that's and that's exactly the kind of the gist of the whole Peter McCullough interview. The entire interview is basically him just saying, like, he would show up to meetings and say, OK, here's what I've got. What are you guys looking at for early treatment? And people would just give him like blank stares like, well, there is no early there treatment. is There's, no early treatment. There isn't. And he's like, well, this is what I've been trying. This is what I've had success with. What do you guys have? Well, we've been told there is there is no early treatment. So. He's like, never before in history have we ever waited for people to be hospitalized to begin to treat them. But that's exactly where we find ourselves now. And he's like, doctors aren't even being allowed to doctor. He says, the I found no. that I found no, they the, are not. They've you know, there's this blank space between onset and hospitalization where doctors aren't allowed to do anything. Yeah. And it's it's mind blowing. A, a personal anecdote. You know, we're we're here in a new state living in a new place. Got some new lousy insurance oh, yeah. and uh, trying to find a, a doctor to uh, take our, our kid to. You know, we she has Down syndrome, so she needs a referral from a primary care doctor to get to get into a you know therapy and, and other things. So so we're just trying to find a doctor to say, yep, she's got Down syndrome and could use these other services. So. You know, we're looking for the um, non-like vaccine Nazi doctor. Sure. And it's like, oh, an an osteopath. Maybe they're a little more holistic. You know, they talk about treating the whole person. So call up to make an appointment. Oh no, uh, if she's not fully vaccinated, they won't see her. So there you go. And so you got to go through like, well, does anyone at that practice at that clinic see unvaccinated? children oh let me check you know oh there's one doctor who says if if you will let him talk to you about vaccination then he'll he'll see your your child Mm. that sounds so and this is you know my naivete and you may tell me that this uh, this is too much information that's fine but is there even even like a, a textbook uh, definition is there even even like in a more mainstream medical source could you say she is more susceptible to bad reactions from uh, a vaccine well there's so with down syndrome there's more uh, leukemia okay 
Now, is there more leukemia because of the Down syndrome, or is there is that an interaction with vaccines? Sure, sure. Okay, okay. Yeah. So there isn't there isn't there isn't a way to just say like, hey, she's kind of immunocompromised, or do we? Oh no! Oh no! They say they say Down syndrome kids have the highest the, risk highest risk from COVID, and they they should be COVID vaccinated too. <laughs> it's because it's because they can't they can't wear a mask, right? Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, this is I I used to think that there was a um, a place for allopathic MDs, you know, and I still do. I just think it's prison. So that's that's where (laughs) that's kind of where I'm at. So, you know, kudos to all the nature paths and what have you. And man, it's such a such a corrupt system. You know, it's a, the insurance companies combined with the government. Man, it is such a messed up system. They got if your you, best interest in mind, buddy. If you're doing, because you you pretty much have to just pay cash for any naturopath or or alternative medicine deal, and so then you're paying hundreds or thousands of dollars a month for the stuff you don't want to. You know, maintain that you're you're insured. Oh, I've, and then, I've you know, I, I cobra'd my coverage. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, yeah, it's brutal. Three thousand something dollars so far. <laughs> you you should go sign up now while you don't have an income. It's over a thousand dollars a month. Sign up for what? For insurance, you're. You're technically unemployed and don't mm-hmm. have an income, so mm-hmm. this is the time, man. Is it? Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you, it's not the time to keep playing Cobra, because holy no. guacamole. No. Good. That is. Oh, actually, um, two days ago was the deadline to start in January, but you can still do it. It'll start in February, but yes, you sh- you absolutely should apply with your current job status. For health insurance anywhere? Yeah, just through, you know, through the Obamacare exchange for for Oklahoma. The half a million dollar WordPress blog? Yep. Or <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that is uh, whatever that is. <laughs> it was a many billion dollar website. Yeah, yeah no, it was a super billion dollar website. But <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. I got a good clip here from uh, Zuby, the rapper slash Christian slash Twitter superhero. I don't think people are generally aware of how many people die every year. In the UK alone, about 1,500 people die, die every day. Every day. 1,500. Okay. So when we were here earlier in the year and they're talking about we've had 15 COVID deaths today. It's 15 out of 1,500 deaths. That's... Again, every death is sad. It's all sad. But the fact that 90% of the focus is on that 15 and people aren't even aware of those other ones on a global scale, about 60 million people worldwide die every year, 60 million. So if you're going to say that 5 million people have died, let's let's say all 5 million died of COVID. 5 million out of maybe 110 to 120 million deaths. And then you look at the way people respond to that versus respond to 
everything else. And there are other viral diseases out there. Sure, the biggest killers are heart disease and cancer, but there are other things which are also transmissible. But the way people respond is not the same. It's almost like implicitly people have decided that not only is COVID more important than every other threat and also more important than civil liberties and more important than freedom and more important than happiness and mental health and livelihoods. Also, that if you die from it, somehow that is more tragic and more important than all the other things that somebody could get sick or injured or die from. That that seems to be the unwritten and unsaid narrative throughout this thing that's then used to justify everything else, that COVID is the most important thing in every country, right? If we have to sacrifice all these other things for it, then it's worth it because this is the most important thing. And that conversation was never had. It was just assumed. It's actually more of a philosophical question. And everything sort of is downstream of that idea. Thought that was pretty well said. It, it puts it in perspective. Mm-hmm. Lots of people die. Yeah. Especially now, especially this year. Yeah. After they rolled out the vaccine, it, death rates up like 20%, 16 or so percent. Yeah. Interesting. But it's all for the great, it's all for the greater good, right? Uh, well, as long as they don't, as long as we aren't dying from COVID and we can say it's, What's the uh, the post traumatic COVID post traumatic stress is giving people heart issues so, and Christmas trees. Yeah, Christmas so, trees. Have you seen Christmas trees? The, that Christmas trees are causing the heart. Look it up, bro. Uh, Christmas tree. Yeah. I, you think I'm joking? No, I I don't think you're Christmas joking. Christmas tree. Christmas tree. Christmas tree. <laughs> so there's Christmas. This is the hot. What's no, what, are, what are we what are we calling this again? It's uh, what's the heart condition? It slipped my mind for just a second here. Well, there's m- many heart oh. conditions. The myocarditis. My- yes, yes. No, the heart condition. Come on, buddy, St- keep up. Myo. The one that they admit may be connected to the vaccine, except yeah, yeah, can't be committed or can't be connected to the vaccine in that case. No, it's got to be a Christmas yeah. tree. Yeah, Christmas trees. Yeah. Like the carrying of Christmas trees or just being around Christmas trees or what? Uh, Oh, Christmas tree, cardboard display, the new normal. This is going to be holidays. Well, oh, I maybe it was a maybe I maybe I maybe I fell for a hoax. Maybe it was a. Was it a Babylon Bee? No, it wasn't a Babylon Bee. Is is Babylon Bee not real? (laughs) Christmas tree, Christmas tree. Anyway, I haven't seen it. So I guess exposure to Christmas trees can cause. Uh, myocarditis. Maybe it was a Photoshop that I fell for. But uh, my greater good comment comes from this clip, which I'm going to play now about the greater good. We need you to stay in your home for a couple weeks. It's for the greater good. We need you to close your business just for a short time. It's for the greater good. We need you to stay home just a little bit longer than two weeks. It's, It's for the greater good. We need you to wear this on your face. It's it's for the greater good. We need you to wear two of these on your face. It's for the greater good. We need you to inject this into your body. It's for the greater good. We need you to spend the holidays alone. It's for the greater good. You must inject this into your body. 
If you want to feed your family, it's for the greater good. We need you to stop eating that. It's not good for the environment. It's for the greater good. We need you to stop driving your car and flying. It's for the greater good. We need you to stop heating your home so often. It's for the greater good. We need you to stop saying that. It's hurting some people's feelings. This is for the greater good. We need you to stop having children. It's not good for the planet. This is for the greater good. We need you to stop talking about your faith. It's offending people. This is for the greater good. We need to separate you from your children because you're not complying. This is for the greater good. We need to hold you in a facility for a little while for not cooperating. This is for the greater good. 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 This <laughs> You get the point. Indeed. That's the uh I like the one where it's the infinity symbol and it Oh, it says like, you, you are, are here. You, you are here. Yeah. <laughs> in the co you are here in the COVID lockdown cycle there. So I, I wanted to make sure I got this out there. It's a, a pretty new one from Steve Kirsch. Uh, in vitro fertilization clinics started started having serious problems right after the vaccine started rolling out. I'm hearing stories of weird things happening in IVF clinics starting in March of this year. They can't figure out the cause. I just got off the phone with a woman who works at a large IVF clinic. She has to remain name, nameless to avoid being fired for speaking out. Nobody is supposed to know about the serious problems happening in the clinics. Let me tell you what is really going on in the scientific in the scientific study that explains it. Rest assured that the so-called fact checkers will call the IVF clinics who will deny that there are any problems at all. Nothing to see here, folks. Move along. So you'll have to decide who you want to believe here. They, uh, it seems that they've been having a series of problems starting in March 2021 that they just cannot figure out and have never seen before. Although my informant believes it is the vaccine, which is, of course, why I got the call. She says that the Ph.D. they employ there to investigate the problem is looking at every possible variable to figure out why there was suddenly a doubling of the miscarriage rate in March through May. Nothing was common to all these women. Nothing. She couldn't figure out the cause. The Ph.D. never even considered the shots as a possible variable because she refused to look at it when it was mentioned as really the only environmental change for their patients. And because none of the other variables panned out as being a cause, she caused the miscarriage increase a fluke. The IVF clinics started having problems starting in March. And they've talked to other IVF clinics who are having similar problems. The problems in Utah are documented in this 42-page report produced by the Health Independence Alliance. Here are a few highlights from the report. Due to, due to the vaccine, the miscarriage rate jumped from 28 to 40%. The report details stories of miscarriages, death, disability, and a wide range of other adverse events. Conclusion, the vaccines should be immediately stopped. Here's a sample of some of the problems they've had. I'll add to this list over time as I get more data, but I wanted to share this with you now. Note, they do not track the vaccination status of any of the women or men involved in the in vitro fertilization process since they believe that the vaccines are safe and effective. I just wanted to point out Thank that you. out in case, in case you were curious. 
In March through May, there was a huge spike in miscarriage rates. It is normally 25 to 30%. In these months, it shot up to over 50%. They've never th- seen anything like that before. One woman had very reliably donated 30 or more eggs each time she came in, which yielded five to eight embryos. In May, she got her second shot of the vaccine and then came in to donate a couple weeks later. The clinic was shocked. All the embryos had all arrested when they checked on them on day five. None of them reached the stage where the trophectoderm forms. I'm told this sort of thing is exactly what you'd expect from the vaccine. See what happened in Singapore below. And he gets to that part later. Uh, Number three, they're seeing an unknown contaminant in the wells. I think he means walls with the embryo. Maybe it's wells. I don't know. They started noticing this in August, and he's got a picture there. But it could have started sooner than that. They only notice it under high power magnification. It's only the wells with the embryos. They still don't know what it is or how it got there. Multiple clinics report the exact same thing. This means it is either coming from the sperm or the egg. Looks like graphene oxide to me, but what do I know? Uh, this month, two of 10 women in their clinics are having serious problems. They both had 38 eggs, but produced only one or two embryos way below normal. The clinics are not bringing any of these problems to the public's attention. They don't want to alarm anyone or discourage anyone from getting these safe and effective vaccines. It's all being discussed in private chat rooms between the IVF clinics. My informant would be fired if they found out who she was. Some people who work at these clinics really don't like the unvaccinated. Finally, the embryologist at one clinic was heard saying, all the unvaxxed deserve to die. All right. Then he goes, talks about the Singapore study study uh, that was deliberately gamed so that the conclusion, which determined the vaccines were dangerous to women, would not panic anyone. Essentially, the vaccine creates antibodies that attack a protein, which is essential for the placenta formation. In plain English, what they found is that the vaccine should be avoided if you are trying to have a baby. Uh, This is what I originally wrote in July 2021. Uh, let's see. Mike Eden and Wolfgang Wodarg raised an alarm of in item 11 of their petition to halt the COVID vaccine in December that, that it may induce an antibody response to syncytin 1, which is essential for placenta formation. The Singapore study authors set up their study to dispel this insinuation. Brian Mowry wrote the article to explain the testing system and why the result the author's study found is a giant warning that the fears they were trying to dispel are valid. In short, there is a lot we do not know about the effects of vaccines on reproductive health, and what we know is troubling enough that they should not be recommended for anyone looking to have a baby. All right, so these, he goes on there. Uh, we've, you know, we talk about the kind of death type and heart issue side effects quite a bit, uh, but you know, what do you know? They're attacking reproduction. Almost like there's an eugenics agenda at work. So. Well, and that's I've always leaned that way. I've always leaned yeah. the the children of men uh, It's even harder to prove, right? Like yeah. how, how do you yeah. how do you prove yeah. that a so, particular couple would have had an additional right. child? Right. You know? It's like, well, there's it's a very difficult thing. To, once you get a few months or years removed from these vaccines, 
the long-term effects, which I think are the designed effects, are going to be even tougher to, I guess, t- to causally prove that it was the vaccines that, that did it. So working from the 1 in 20 Russian roulette. Uh, or 1 in 200. Yeah. I'm sorry, 1 in 200 uh, Russian yeah. roulette theory. Mm-hmm. There would be contraceptives or something that would kill reproductive health in every single in 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 two hundred of two hundred. Well, that's what I, w- I was thinking about that too. Mm-hmm. So is it, you know, they've got this the mRNA stuff or or whether it's the lipid nanoparticles that are right. you know what's mm-hmm. causing those hot right. batches to be hot? Right and is there stuff they can do to screw up reproduction without, you know, killing without the causing the side effects? Uh, so well, I, that's the answer a, to that is yes. And you, what you need to start looking into is uh, the way that they keep cows from reproducing. Mm-hmm. There is a there is a specific drug which will do that. Um, and it's easier, by the way, to find. Let's just say you were someone who late at night would frequent just vaccinated websites or vac- forums or people talking about side effects or something like this. And it's much, much easier to find people who are saying I'm having menstrual irregularities mm-hmm. yes. than it is to find people who said yeah. my uncle yeah. just died or mm-hmm. I have a heart issue from the vax. The menstrual issue is plethora. There's plethora. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's everywhere. So, it, it just seems it's ubiquitous, I guess, is the word, the right word, the right context. So uh, just something to kind of keep in mind, too. Uh, it's kind of weird, man. You know, and the, also, these fertilization clinics, right? Like one of the things that they would definitely want to do is track like everything, right? Mm-hmm. Like your diet, yep. your intake of supplements, your intake of medication. But the vaccine, you know, safe and effective. So no need. Safe and effective. We can't even, even though it lines up exactly with the mass adult vaccination uh, for this age group that we're dealing with, we're not going to look at it. Can't even consider it. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, It's sick. And that, you know, from a eugenics perspective, that would solve the issue of, well, you know, what do they really hope to accomplish with one and two hundred? So if they're well, the only thing I can think of is that they wanted to uh, see if first off, see if they get away with it, mm-hmm. and then second off, you know, the next round they'll just bring that number down. Yep. Yep. And slowly bring that number down until people get used to it. Yep. And and it. Um, we also talked last week about the fact that they might not be able to make enough of this stuff. Right. So they, they almost were forced to just, well, throw something in a bottle, you know, throw something in a, in the needle, just get the needles in arms. Uh, yeah. I don't know. There's. Well, unless you have something else, but I think maybe it's time to wrap it up. Anything else we got to get in there? Uh, there's a uh, let's you want to play the Vernon Coleman clip it's a uh, st- 
starting at 8.10 on the video. Actually, let's skip all the way ahead to 13.45 on the Vernon Coleman clip. So Vernon Coleman, um, this came through Vaccine Impact, who uh, kindred spirit there. He also has an article posted, Why I am proud to wear the anti-vax label. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. But uh, it's if I had a website, this, that is something I would write. <laughs> How long will they live? Well, some will probably live long lives. Some cigarette smokers live into their 90s. The human body doesn't always behave as expected. That's the whole point. But I fear many will die, die during winter months. Mortality rates are going to soar over the next few years. Governments will blame new variants of the rebranded flu. But that'll be yet another lie. On average, my fear that many of the vaxxed may have no more than another five years before they become a statistic. The fact checkers will say I can't prove this and they're right, I can't. All I can do is look at the facts we do have and draw conclusions. And I would remind you that I've been absolutely right about this fake pandemic and the jabs since March 2020. I have, I believe, been far more accurate than any government spokesman I've seen and my videos, articles and columns are all still there for you to check, if you like. Thank you for watching An Old Man in a Chair. And thanks to Brand YouTube and to Mohammed Butt. Please subscribe to go. my channel. So the, the whole video is worth watching. Uh, he goes through some of the different mechanisms. And... The only reason I don't think that he's 100% right on is because I think there were a lot of, you know, non-real vaccines given. Uh, but there's certainly, you know, maybe there were levels to it where they found something that could affect reproduction but not cause the mass side effects of those those batches with the thousands of reported side effects. So. Sure, sure. Well, all right. Without any further ado, we are deep, deep in the heartland of the United States at this point, no longer on the left coast. Oh, it's but wonderful. We still have to turn to one of the bellwethers of uh, this show, one of the things that guide us, each of us, me and all the listeners through each of our weeks, and that is Andrew Hoffman's Words of Wisdom. Move to Oklahoma, people. <laughs> Plenty of room. Come be, on down. This can't be here. <laughs> there are so many small neighborhoods like yours all over the place. Like just, yeah. you know, homes going up, everything new, you know, in the in a in a in a construction area. But but they are they're going up absolutely everywhere. I just recently found one near my place. So it's uh and there are people moving here. The population is actually growing. It's uh, it's kind of wild, man. Kind of wild. This used to and, be a forgotten corner of the world. Yeah, and the the food's really good. Like this is yeah. <laughs> like barbecue. I mean, Dude, if you don't have like a you, can, you can't find a bad barbecue place down so here. So we we knew this and uh, we talked about it and we yeah. I, I should have warned you about it. But we uh, we just got gym memberships yesterday because it's, <laughs> it's just, we knew going in we're like 
Well, one of the things that's going to be hard, it's going to be a little bit harder to find organic. People don't necessarily care about organic as much down here. But just the food, man, There, you can't find bad barbecue. There's different. I went to I've been to several different places. Just oh, the food is amazing. Just yeah, absolutely awesome. Amazing. Filling. Delicious. But a little bit high on the the carbs, the cholesterols and all that sort of stuff. But, hey, you know, I'm still of the well, opinion fat is good for you. And so is meat. So. So the the meal that we got last night, mm-hmm. right? It's just it's aptly described as the three meat dinner. <laughs> so it was uh, pulled pork. Oh my gosh! Brisket. Yep. And ribs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then they, you know, they give you a couple options for sides. I think we had green green beans and baked beans. So. Yeah. Um. And the, the baked beans had, like, pieces of sausage mixed in. Oh, yeah, for like sure. As a I, mean, bonus, like. I mean, bro, welcome to meat oh. country. You know oh, what I'm man. And that's one of the cool things, too. So just to give you a little bit of – and this is this happens up there by your house, too. But just to give everybody out there a little taste of our life, we used to drive for hours and, you know – not hours, but we'd drive an hour. And we'd start to see more and more trees and more mountains and less, less – uh, less houses but we couldn't get to a farm it would take us a little while here literally like i drive by two just to go anywhere and mm-hmm. i make it you know I, I me and my son have a game i roll the window down and ask the cows if they need anything from town because the cows are literally <laughs> they're literally our neighbors right now so welcome to the the meat instead of the bread basket this is the meat basket yeah <laughs> just... so the so this is like a this is a barbecue thing, and I don't I don't understand. So t- tell me, see if you can explain it to me. Yeah, I'm ready, man. Okay, so you have this amazing mm-hmm. barbecue mm-hmm. meat yes. with like everything, you yep. know, the sauce, everything yep. delicious, yep. and then they throw like two pieces of generic white bread mm-hmm. on top. Like, what is? Are you supposed to eat that? Is it just like to? Oh, no, no. So that's a, that's a derivative of uh, Texas toast was has always been a big thing here, a good buttered Texas toast. And so okay. they may be, they maybe supply chain issues. I don't know, but they may be skimping down to just regular toast, but it's not even toast. It was just like two like generic pieces of white bread thrown in. Like, a, I don't know. Does it add to the moisture content? I don't know. Maybe that's I, it. Maybe it's a moisture content, moisture thing. It keeps it from, getting too soggy i don't know but oh, I, don't know. I know texas toast is a big thing around here and you'll find it as a side for most stuff okay but uh, uh <laughs> my wife once attended a, a home-cooked meal by uh, uh my dad and his wife and we left and she was like just blown away there was like burgers steaks and ribs <laughs> and then like a small bowl of corn <laughs> somewhere <laughs> <laughs> yes so we're trying to we're trying to bring some of that lettuce eating around. No, you know what I what I want to do. This is the dream. <laughs> I I want to get a a meat freezer, mm-hmm. and get like a you know a quarter of a cow, Bro, and then just th- just go full carnivore diet and just eat like steaks only. You would, that's it. You would lose so much weight. Like you I know, would just you would just you would lose so much weight. You probably feel clearer. Yeah. There's there's a lot of evidence for that. Some of those Black Rifle Coffee guys are obsessed with meat diets. Joe Rogan too. They're they're all eating like elk and everything. I I got some. Uh, my newest supplement is uh, 
grass-fed beef liver capsules. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. That's, that's what's supposed to be good for you. Helps your liver function and whatnot. Um, but, yeah, I got the hookup, by the way. We got a, we got a place down here. They, I'll, I'll send you a link to, uh, I think if they have a Facebook page or something, and they, they literally every morning will post what's available today. Mm. It's just meat, homemade meats and smoked this, and it's just awesome. So, yeah, no, the struggle is not going to be finding good food. We knew ahead of time the struggle is going to be staying in shape. Uh, this is one of the top 10 or bottom 10, depending on how you look at it, uh, obese states in the U.S. So, And ironically enough, even though they eat a lot of meat, it might be the non-meats that are getting them in trouble. Yeah, yeah, it's all those sides, all that white bread sprinkled on the top. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, goodness gracious, I had a – let me see if I can get to it. I had one thing I wanted to say was not my words of wisdom, but I was going to let everybody – ah, goodness. Let's take a second here. Don't worry, I'll fix all this in post, which is sad because I really do have to do post and fix all of the interruptions <laughs> different things. It's not as funny. Kids. Have a ah. Kids. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. Send me an email. Let me know. Do you enjoy or loathe interruptions from kids? Depending <laughs> on how the vote goes from that, I will determine whether or not I will continue to do post work. But uh, I thought this was a great tweet from, uh, you know, a lot, of, a lot of things happened over this last little bit that uh, over this last year that I never could have possibly uh, imagined. And one of them was that I agreed with almost everything Rob Schneider said. So. Yeah, it's, yeah, seriously. It's like <laughs> surprising who our, who our friends are and, yeah. and who are, in some cases, our enemies are. I don't yeah, know. yeah, like Aaron Rodgers. I used to not like him. Oh, now yeah. now I'm, a, I'm a fan, like a legitimate fan. Kyrie Irving, used to not like him. Fan. Mm-hmm. Like this yeah. is how it is. Anyway, Rob Schneider said, if Jesus came back tomorrow, all the news out – all the news about his return would be immediately banned on Twitter and Facebook and YouTube. And fact checkers would put a warning label and redirect views to the CDC and government warnings of global <laughs> warming. <laughs> <laughs> Truer words have well, never been smoking, Rob. I, you know what? When Jesus comes back, there's not going to be any media spin on it. <laughs> No He's going to speak for himself, yeah. Well, no, when he comes back, but, he, you know, Rob was just saying, like, you know, if he showed up the way he did last time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, good to be with you here. Yeah, the they, big- they would they would be supporting the Egyptian uh, or the the king's decree that all the under twos have to be killed, you know, for global warming. It's for the earth. <laughs> it's for the greater good. For the greater good, yes. All of the children under two need to be killed. It's for the greater good. Yeah. Our king is a jerk. So anyway, <laughs> uh, said hello to somebody on uh, Mastodon. I told him I moved to Oklahoma. They said to me, welcome to the big friendly. So uh, I like it. There yeah. you go. Welcome to the big friendly, Andrew. Thanks for uh, being here. Thanks for doing another show. And uh, I'm, yeah. wor- I'm working on my sirs and ma'ams. I, I said, ma'am, I think in a natural way today, so I'm making progress. <laughs> you Northwesterners aren't used to this. I no. used to get people looking at me like, you don't have to call me sir or ma'am. It's like, 
man, I was raised in Oklahoma and then I joined the military. Like I don't, I, I have no choice. Like this is, yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is so built into me. I have no idea what else to say. Yeah. That's that I'm working on it. So it's, it does not come naturally to me, but it should. It, it, it's a polite, a much more polite society. I'm, I'm loving it. So. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right. Well, thanks for doing the show. And I guess uh, let's do a show next week. We'll do it right before Christmas Eve and then take the weekend to enjoy our Christmas. And uh, yeah, we'll do it that way. Yeah. Sounds good. All right. A copy of this podcast, as well as links to each story covered, are available at revelationsradionews.com. To contact Andrew and Tim, or to support Revelations Radio News, please visit revelationsradionews.com and click on the Contact tab or Support tab. Please check out the other podcasts at revelationsradionetwork.com, and thank you for your support of this podcast. Don't you say- Prices have gone up.